the answer. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed, and thank you so much for joining us as hour number two gets underway at nine minutes past ten o'clock. AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Friday, free for all Friday, the 15th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord 2019. The president is supposed to be speaking uh, very shortly. He's going to be addressing uh, the uh, White House press pool and more starting uh, in just a few minutes. As I said prior to the break, uh, at the top of the hour, the president is notoriously late and uh, notoriously late on these things. He may not begin speaking until 1015, 1025, 1030. Lord really only knows. Uh, but we're going to try to bring it to you live as soon as we do uh, get confirmation that he's uh, ready to start. Uh, having said that, there is some some things uh, that I would like you to hear. Uh, to follow up on, which we talked about in the last hour as we discussed the president. Uh, and he's going to speak, obviously, on his signing of the terrible, horrific uh, border security spending bill that is going to just lead to more amnesty for illegal immigrants in this country, and it's going to trigger a surge of unaccompanied minor children to this country, crossing illegally, and then uh, providing uh, cover for all of their family members in the United States right now. Uh, but the border wall is the, the primary. It's what this thing is supposed to be about. Beto O'Rourke, his name is Robert Francis O'Rourke. For some reason, he got Beto out of Robert O. Uh, Robert O'Rourke, and decided maybe that gives him more street cred. But anyway, he's, of course, the um, uh, famous young challenger to Ted Cruz in the Texas Senate race just this past cycle. He lost despite spending some uh, absurd amount of money. And I can't remember the exact figures anymore. We talked about it at the time. But he's been backed by every liberal progressive group uh, around the country that has money pouring into Texas to try to support him there. Anyway, he's also potentially a dark horse presidential candidate as well. And he was doing an interview at the border with Chris Hayes, MSNBC flunky, and this is what he said. A, a question from a congressman who does not represent the border, but he is in Texas, Dan Crenshaw, who's a new member of Congress. He's been very outspoken in favor of the president's agenda on the border, particularly. Right. Um, and he wanted to ask you, he tweeted this, so I'm just passing it along. It's not something yeah. he didn't text me. Um, you know, would you, if you could, would you take the wall down now, here? Yes. Like you have a wall. Absolutely. Knock it down. I'd take the wall and down. I would take the wall down if I could. And when a Democrat becomes president, if it's somebody like Robert Francis O'Rourke, they will indeed move to take the wall down. 
I want that little piece of audio to be replayed 24-7 on a constant loop on conservative websites around the, uh, around the Internet. And I want, if he ever declares himself to be a candidate, for that to be echoing in every American's head. He would uh, provide open borders for unlimited access to the United States of America. He would get rid of that border wall. It should be every time these Democrats open their um, uh, their their mouths and and remove all doubt as to their idiocy. That's an old uh, uh, axiom. Uh, better to be thought a fool than to than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Um, he 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 is a fool. Uh, and every time they do something like this, we need to celebrate it. We need to champion it. We need to beg them to continue it because it helps our cause every step of the way. Case in point, let me give you a little more. Alexandria ocasio Kelly Bundio cortez almost single-handedly stopped Amazon from opening up a new headquarters in New York. Cortez declared, this is great. This is a wonderful thing. Cortez says that the little people have won. They stepped up and stopped the world's richest man, a billionaire, Jeff Bezos, from bringing his capitalist corporation into their city. Congratulations. She was arguing, in essence, against tax abatements, tax breaks that were provided the company in order to get the company to come in and bring 25,000 high-paying jobs to that region. Alexandria Kelly Bundio Cortez says this is a good thing that they stopped Amazon from coming in. This is what she said as she walked uh, down a congressional hall yesterday and was grabbed by a reporter who asked her what she thought of Amazon announcing they are pulling out. They are backing out of their plans for a new headquarters in New York City. Ms. Cortez, what do you think of this? I think it's incredible. I mean, it shows that everyday Americans still have the power to organize and fight for their communities and they can have more say in this country than the richest man in the world what do you say fight for their communities have more say than the richest man in the world tell me how your community is aided um ms bundy how is your community aided by not bringing 25,000 jobs at an average of $150,000 salaries? Tell me how that aids your community. Are 25,000 members of your community better off now because they don't have $150,000 a year jobs? Or are they worse off? It shows how we can stand together against the richest man in the world. What is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying? Ms. Bundy is saying, once again, that the left, or excuse me, that the rich are our enemy. The wealthiest among us are our enemies. This is socialism 101. We can't allow capitalist fat cats who make a ton of money to bring jobs to our, to our cities, to our communities. Why would we want to go work for him and help enrich him? Why would, want to, would we want to go to do that? Number one, this is just a, a socialist statement of, of belief on her part. We don't like the rich. We don't want them to exist. We want to take from them everything they have and redistribute it to the, uh, to the poorest among us. Socialism 101, that's what she wants. 
She would rather not have this, uh, this capitalist succeed, as if he's not going to then go ahead and build his headquarters somewhere else, which, of course, he is, and all of the ancillary benefits, including local estate taxes paid by, by $25,000, $150,000 a job earners, as if those tax dollars that they would pay as workers in municipalities and states don't count, as if those 25,000 jobs paying their federal taxes as well won't help the United States of America, all because this guy isn't going to be taxed enough. They gave him tax breaks to come into New York City. She's celebrating a, a massive economic hit that her city is about to take. And worse off, as she speaks, she proves to be literally economically illiterate. She, she has a degree, and I think it's in economics, from Boston University. And she is economically illiterate. Here's more. Say to those that um, criticize them pulling out that you know, the district now is going to lose 25,000 jobs that could have come there. Well, one of those things is, A, we were subsidizing those jobs. So for the, the city was paying for those jobs. So frankly, if we were willing to give Amazon three, if we were will, willing to give away $3 billion for this deal, we could invest those $3 billion in our district ourselves if we wanted to. We could hire out more teachers. We can <laughs> fix our subways. We can put a lot of people to work for that money if we wanted to. She thinks that giving tax abatements to businesses for building in their uh, in their communities means that the taxpayers of New York are literally paying Amazon $3 billion. I want you to contemplate the elementary nature of her of her thinking. I want you to really consider this. She thinks economically, and she has a degree from Boston University. Moms and dads, if you've got seniors in high school and you're looking for colleges, you know where they should avoid. Because she thinks this degreed congresswoman, who six months ago was a bartender and was probably a little bit overmatched by the cash register, This woman thinks that if you give Amazon tax breaks, that the city has to then come up with money to pay to Amazon out of their own taxes, that the city's own tax collections. And she's saying, if we're going to give Amazon $3 billion, why don't we give it to firefighters and give it to uh, street repair and other, uh, uh, you know, local needs here in the community? She thinks they're actually spending $3 billion. A $3 billion tax break to a company is not an expenditure of $3 billion. And Kelly Bundio doesn't understand that. She literally has no earthly idea how taxes work. Um, additionally, those jobs, there was no guarantee that those jobs were for the New Yorkers that were here. Uh, we were looking at, at a deal that was not primarily putting the community first. And I think that... We- what, what in the world is she talking about? 25,000 workers were not going to commute from Pennsylvania, from D.C., from Connecticut, to come to New York and work at Amazon. Of course those jobs were local. Of course those jobs were in the community. And even if some people were transferring in from other cities where uh, you know Amazon is currently working, if they did bring in outside employees, guess what they would be doing? relocating to New York and thus earning their money in New York and paying taxes in New York and enriching the New York local government, the city government, the state, the county government, all of the taxes that are paid and collected there by workers, as well as, of course, the state of New York, 
would all have had a financial windfall from Amazon's. Why does this idiot not believe or understand that there were so many cities, including Cleveland, Ohio, that were pitching Amazon to come and build their facility here? Build your headquarters here. We beg Jeff Bezos. We'll take that money. We'll give you tax breaks. We'll take those jobs. We'll take all of the taxes that they generate, all of the economic growth they generate, more people working, spending more money in, in Cleveland businesses, in Cleveland restaurants, Cleveland stores, Cleveland uh, entertainment venues, et cetera, et cetera. We'll take all of that, absolutely. Everybody else was begging for it, and Ocasio Kelly Bundio didn't want it and literally forced them to stop. We can absolutely come together to create an economic plan that actually invests in New Yorkers, in higher wages, and in a dignified life. I, 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 there, there are very few words that I can come up with right now to describe how stupid this woman is. And stupid is just too plain. It's just too easy. It's such low-hanging fruit. I want, I'm, I'm going to have to pull out a thesaurus here. I normally have one in my skull. Uh, I'm, that's what I do. I'm kind of wordsmithy. Uh, but I can't think of how, uh, I can't think of the best way to describe how unimaginably brain dead this woman is. And she is the new Democrat party. She is the new face of the Democrats. She doesn't know how taxes work. She thinks that $150,000 a year is not a, a wage uh, uh, increase for workers in New York who were to get those jobs. She thinks they just showed big Mr. Richie Rich, Jeff Bezos, uh, she taught him a lesson. I'll show that guy. I'm going to keep him out of here. He can take his tens of billions of dollars of economic growth and give it to another city or community. Yeah, victory for me. More coming up on AM 1420, The Answer After This. told you that the president is notoriously late <laughs> when it comes to these kinds of addresses. Uh, I don't know if he likes to build the anticipation or what it is, but uh, he has not yet begun to speak at the uh, from the Rose Garden. I was hoping he would be on time so that we could carry it for you live, uh, but uh, uh, we just don't know at this point in time when he's going to walk out and address the media about the uh, bill that he is signing, or probably has already signed in his office, uh, which is this horrific, horrific border security bill. Uh, that is filled with all kinds of poison language that essentially declares amnesty for uh, untold numbers of illegal aliens in this country, and it declares essentially a massive surge, or it ensures a massive surge of unaccompanied minor illegal aliens to this country. But uh, he's going to tell us why he's signing it, and then what he's doing with this executive order by way of declaring a national emergency. We'll have it for you if we can. Let's go to uh, TJ in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, like Marco, I want I want a little bit of street cred too, and I want to tell you my initial TJ. The T stands for Tijuana, but but that being out of the way, you know, one thing I agree. You sure with it's not T Bone, Cory Booker's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, imaginary imaginary uh, 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 nemesis T Bone? Well, that it all depends what group I'm in front. <laughs> I mean, that can that can change. Yeah. Uh, no, the reason I called, Bob, I do agree with one thing in this bill about paying the federal contractors. 
you know, I was a federal contractor for quite a few years, and I can tell you firsthand, they're in many cases treated like second-class citizens. The government workers don't like them because they look at them as a threat. Uh, they're not given the same rights or anything. Now, these federal workers are getting reimbursed, which is fine. But, you know, the families of these contractors suffer just as much. They were put out of work because of this political thing, and I think they deserve to, uh, to be given retro pay also. And I, I just wonder what you think about that. Bob, uh, because, yeah. I mean, what's fair is fair here, you know. <laughs> and they're no less. You know, what we're showing is there's two classes here. There's the, the uh, protected government worker, and then there's the contractor the civilian worker yeah that's I mean, a, yeah if, and we know which ones we we know which ones are more important well you know why they're more important because the government workers vote democrat and that's the big difference right there probably 80 percent or more of them uh vote democrat you know what that's union. why that's why president trump said during the shutdown that the vast majority of those who were shut down and not receiving pay right now are democrats so maybe the democrat leadership would want to think about doing something for them and stop being so ridiculous over the border wall uh because you're right they are the vast majority of them are tj thank you my friend let me squeeze in ron and lakewood before the bottom of the hour and hopefully the president will start speaking soon and we'll have that for you ron go ahead good morning bob um look uh, people aren't afraid of stupid people and um, the Democrats are playing a game, in my opinion, of making her look stupid so that we don't take her seriously, so that we don't take not just her but socialism seriously. Okay? They want I, I, us to it's possible. be looking at this as if it's some kind of a sideshow and funny and just just wave it off and say, yeah, those people are... And calling them stupid, saying they're uh, stupid... This misses the point, because I don't believe that they're stupid. I believe they have a plan. I believe that they're playing a game, and it's a, they're, we're, that we're being manipulated by all this. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you why I disagree, Ron, uh, because there are a lot of these very same Democrats, the ones especially in leadership and power, who are are desperate to shut these people up. If they wanted us to just dismiss them as stupid and to play that, you know, play it that way, they would encourage them to keep talking. They want Cortez and Omar and some of these others to just stop because they know the damage they're doing to their brand. Understand that any endorsement that these lunatics give to any potential Democratic uh, uh, nominee coming up in 2020 is not going to be a blessing, rather than a, rather a curse. Uh, I, I, they're trying to shut them up, and that's why I don't think they're trying to play the, hey, let's dismiss them, let people dismiss them, and then socialism will slide in. Believe it or not, not every Democrat wants socialism. Believe it or not, if they did, Barack Obama would have ushered it in. He had so much popularity within his party, he could have done anything he wanted, and they would have gone along with it. In fact, did. Uh, but a lot of them are not willing to go that far. This is a new breed of young uh, socialist Democrat, Bernie Sanders notwithstanding, of course, who's an old old guard, but uh, but this new breed of young socialists like Omar and uh, and uh, Kelly Bundio, uh, these individuals are are really a threat to the Democrat Party that knows they still have to appeal at least to some degree to mainstream America. They may be moving further to the left as a party, but not that far left to be socialist. They are very concerned about Cortez, in my view. But I appreciate your view on it. Thanks for the call, Ron. We'll get news now and see if President's going to start talking soon on AM 1420. It is 1035. The president is now 35 minutes tardy. 
for his Rose Garden address. He really liked You know, I wonder, I swear I wonder this. You know, the chances are more likely that he's doing last-minute uh, um, uh, prep with his staff. He's talking to his advisors, maybe Kellyanne Conway, and they're talking about what he wants to say, how he wants to say it, maybe last-minute changes to his speech, But I, and, and that's what he's doing. But part of me just thinks he likes to screw with these guys because they're the press, and he cannot stand the press. And uh, he just absolutely likes to wa- make them squirm and make them wait. All right, as I monitor the scene, though, right now in um, – in Washington at the uh, at the White House, uh, at the Rose Garden, it looks like there is some activity happening right now. There are some cameras poised on the glass door uh, to whatever room it is in the White House that the president is in, and it looks like he may be coming out sooner rather than later. And if he does, as I said, I will go immediately to uh, that, uh, or we will go immediately to live coverage of that. We want you to hear uh, what the president has to say about the reason why he's going to sign this bill and how he is going to pull off his declaration of a national emergency. If you missed an earlier portion of the show, or the earlier portion of the show, uh, you, you missed uh, the discussion of Nancy Pelosi, who's declaring that if the president wants to go this route and declare a phony national emergency, uh, he's setting a precedent. And just remember, she said, that the Democrats can declare emergencies when they become president, too. And watch and see what they do. They might declare a national emergency on guns. And we may uh, ban the sale of semi-automatic weapons or high-capacity magazines or this or that or the other thing. Uh, essentially trying to threaten the president into not using the, the declaration of national emergency to build the border wall to secure this country. And as I pointed out in the last hour, this is not precedent-setting if he does so. It's not new. Since it became an option for presidents back in the uh, uh, mid-1970s, the national emergency declarations have been used by every president since. Jimmy Carter used it twice. President Reagan used it six times in his eight years. George H.W. Bush declared an emergency five times in his four years. Bill Clinton, 17 times in his eight years. George W. Bush, 13 times in his eight years. And then Barack Obama did it 12 times in his eight years. President Trump thus far will be declaring a national emergency for the third time in his two years to date. So the idea that Nancy Pelosi, if that's the card they want to play, that's the, uh, that's the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the threat that they're going to use. This is their whole card to try to win this hand is okay. But if you declare an emergency, you're going to make it easy for us to do it too. Stop it. The last two Democrat presidents combined, uh, Obama and Clinton, declared a national emergency 29 times. This is not new territory. This is not new ground. By the way, with respect to spending and how the president is going to cobble together the $8 billion from various uh, departments of the budget, uh, various departments to whom uh, money has been budgeted, I'm trying to to say that correctly, Um, the president has another card that he can play, so to speak. I talked about this with my guest Dave Ray last half hour, or I'm sorry, last hour, about the extra Pentagon funds that are available, and he said they may have been earmarked even if not spent. They have been, maybe have been earmarked for other um, other projects, and so thus, they um, uh, the president might not be able to appropriate some of those over funds that have been granted to the uh, defense, uh, Department of Defense budget. 
Well, there are $21 billion, literally as of this morning, foreignpolicy.com reporting that the president might have $21 billion in military funds that have not been earmarked for anyone, for any reason thus far. And I'm going to stop that line of... uh uh, discussion right now because the president is approaching the microphone in Washington, D.C. He is uh, approaching the podium now to discuss why it is that he is signing this bill and the national emergency, and let's carry that live. And now. I'd like to just say that we have a large team of very talented people in China. We've had a uh, negotiation going on for about two days. It's going extremely well. Who knows what that means because... It only matters if we get it done, but we're uh, very much uh, working very closely with China and President Xi, who I respect a lot. Very good relationship that we have. And we're a lot closer than we ever were in this country with having a real trade deal. We're covering everything. All of the points that people have been talking about for years that said couldn't be done, whether it was theft or uh, anything anything the unfairness uh, we've been losing on average 375 billion dollars a year with china a lot of people think it's 506 billion some people think it's much more than that we're going to be leveling the playing field uh, the tariffs are hurting china very badly they don't want them and frankly if we can make the deal it'd be my honor to remove them but otherwise we're having Many billions of dollars pouring into our treasury. We've never had that before with China. It's been very much of a one-way street. So that's happening. And uh, the relationship with China is very good. But I think they finally respect our country. They haven't respected us for a long time. Not for a long time. Uh, the U.K. and the U.S. probably have been seeing and hearing we're agreeing to go forward and preserve our trade agreement. You know all of the situation with respect to Brexit and the complexity and the problems, but we have a very good trading relationship with UK and that's just been uh, strengthened further. So with the UK, we're continuing our trade and uh, we are going to actually be increasing it very substantially as time goes by. We expect that the UK will be uh, very, very substantially increased as it relates to trade with the United States. The relationship there also is very good. We have a lot of uh, great announcements having to do with Syria and our success with the eradication of the caliphate. And that will be announced over the next uh, 24 hours and many other things. A lot of positive things are going on. We're working on a, uh, a summit. And you know all about the summit. It'll be in Vietnam, Hanoi, and uh, we will we'll be meeting in Hanoi. I think a lot of you will be going, I suspect. And I hope we have the same good luck as we had in the first summit. A lot was done in the first summit. No more rockets going up, no more missiles going up, no more testing of nuclear. Get back our remains, the remains of our great heroes from the Korean War. And we got back our hostages. But uh, we hope we're going to be very much equally as successful. I'm in no rush for speed. We just don't want testing. The sanctions, as you know, remain. Uh, everything is remaining. China's been helping us. And Russia's been helping us. 
And South Korea, I think you can say, has been uh, we've been working very closely with South Korea, with Japan. But uh, China, Russia on the border have really been at least partially living up to what they're supposed to be doing. And that's okay, as per the United Nations. So we will uh, have a meeting on the 27th and 28th of February. And I think that will be a very successful one. I look forward to seeing Chairman Kim. We have also established a very good relationship, which has never happened between him or his family in the United States. Uh, they have... Meanwhile, in the press pool, everybody is muttering to themselves, will you please get to the wall? What are you doing with the emergency? The president is dragging this out, it would appear, just kind of getting some other information in. Uh, but uh, he is expected to address the bill that he is signing to keep the government open and the national emergency he will declare. Force, economic power, their location between South Korea and then Russia and China, right smack in the middle, is phenomenal. And we think they have a... Uh, Great chance for tremendous economic prosperity in the future. So I look forward to seeing Chairman Kim in Vietnam. Today I'm announcing uh, several critical actions that my administration is taking to confront a problem that we have right here at home. We fight wars that are 6,000 miles away, wars that we should have never been in in many cases. But we don't control our own border. So we're going to confront the national security crisis on our southern border. And we're going to do it one way or the other. We have to do it. Not because it was a campaign promise, which it is. It was one of many, by the way. Not my only one. We're rebuilding the military. Our economy is thriving like never before. You look at other economies. They're doing terribly, and we're doing phenomenally. The market is up tremendously today. Not that there's anything, but, you know, because I'll go back in and they'll say, oh, the market just went down. But the market is uh, getting close to the new highs that we created. We, uh, we have all the records. We have every record. But we're getting close to that point again where we'll create new records. So our country is doing very well economically. And uh, we've done a lot. But one of the things I said I have to do and I want to do is border security because we have tremendous amounts of drugs flowing into our country, much of it coming from the southern border. When you look and when you listen to politicians, uh, in particular certain Democrats, they say it all comes through the port of entry. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's just a lie. It's all a lie. They say walls don't work. Walls work 100 uh, percent. Whether it's El Paso, I, I really was smiling because the other night I was in El Paso. We had a tremendous crowd. And a tremendous crowd. And I asked the people, many of whom were from El Paso, but they came from all over Texas. And I asked them, I said, let me ask you, the, uh, as a crowd, when the wall went up, was it better? You, you were there, some of you. It was not only better, it was like 100% better. You know what they did. But that's only one example. There are so many examples. In El Paso, they have close to 2,000 murders right on the other side of the wall. And they had 23 murders. It's a lot of murders. But it's not close to 2,000 murders. Right on the other side of the wall in Mexico. So everyone knows that walls work. And there are better examples than El Paso, frankly. You just take a look almost everywhere. Take a look at Israel. They're building another wall. 
Their wall is 99.9% effective, they told me. 99.9%. That's what it would be with us, too. The only weakness is they go to a wall and then they go around the wall. They go around the wall and in. Okay? That's what it is. Very simple. And a big majority of the big drugs, the big drug loads, don't go through ports of entry. They can't go through ports of entry. You can't take big loads because you have people. We have some very capable people, the Border Patrol, law enforcement, looking. You can't take human traffic, women and girls. You can't take them through ports of entry. You can't have them tied up in the back seat of a car or a truck or a van. They open the door. They look. They can't see three women with tape in their mouth or three women whose hands are tied. They go through areas where you have no wall. Everybody knows that. Nancy knows it. Chuck knows it. They all know it. It's all a big lie. It's a big con game. You don't have to be very smart to know. You put up a barrier, the people come in, and that's it. They can't do anything unless they walk left or right, and they find an area where there's no barrier, and they come into the United States. Welcome. We've detained more people. Our border agents are doing such incredible work. Our military has been incredible. We put up barbed wire on top of certain old walls that were there. We fixed the wall. We loaded up. All right, it's 1049. I hate to interrupt the president, but we need to get our final look at traffic in, and uh, we'll continue to carry this for you live on the other side of this time out. Bob, the uh, Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420, The Answer. Accident-free this time around. We did clear the accidents on 76 eastbound at Arlington and 76 westbound after Route 43. This update being brought to us by Credit Karma. Get truly free credit scores and free credit monitoring from Credit Karma today. Download the Credit Karma app now. Josh Booth, AM 1420, The Answer. This is directed. All right, the president has just declared officially at his press conference at the Rose Garden that he is declaring a national state of emergency. Let's return to that right now. I said, I haven't seen you before. She said, no, I'm new. I said, that's too bad. It's too bad. It's so sad. Stand up just for a second. Show how beautiful your girl was. Thank you. I have such respect for these people. Angel moms, angel dads, angel families. I have great respect for these people. These are great people. These are great people. They're fighting for their children that have been killed by people that were illegally in this country. And the press doesn't cover them. They don't want to, incredibly. And they're not treated the way they should be. They're fighting for other people because they don't want what happened to their children or husband or anybody. Uh, We have one young lady whose husband, please stand up. Your husband was just killed in Maryland. Incredible man, just killed. Beautiful children won't be seeing their father again. These are brave people. These are people that are, they don't have to be here. They don't have to be doing this. They're doing it for other people. So I just want to thank all of you for being here. Okay, I really do. I want to thank you, incredible people. Last year, 70,000 Americans were killed at least 
I think the number is ridiculously low, by drugs, including meth and heroin and cocaine, fentanyl. Now, one of the things that I did with President Xi in China when I met him in Argentina at a summit, before I even started talking about the trade, it was a trade meeting. It went very well. But before I talked about trade, I talked about something more important. I said, listen, we have tremendous amounts of fentanyl coming into our country. Kills tens of thousands of people. I think far more than anybody registers. And I'd love you to declare it a lethal drug and put it on your criminal list. And their criminal list is much tougher than our criminal list. Their criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called the death penalty. Our criminal list, a drug dealer gets a thing called, how about a fine? And when I asked President Xi, I said, do you have a drug problem? No, no, no. I said, you have 1.4 billion people. What do you mean you have no drug problem? No, we don't have a drug problem. I said, why? Death penalty. We give death penalty to people that sell drugs. End of problem. What do we do? We set up a blue ribbon committees. Lovely men and women. They sit around a table, they have lunch, they eat, they dine, and they waste a lot of time. So if we want to get smart, we can get smart. You can end the drug problem. You can end it a lot faster than you think. But President Xi's agreed to put fentanyl on his list of deadly, deadly drugs. And it's a criminal penalty, and the penalty is death. So that's, frankly, one of the things I'm most excited about in our trade deal. You want to know the truth? I think maybe there's no more important point. We're going to make billions of dollars with this trade deal. It's going to be great for our country and great for China, I hope. Their market's down close to 40 percent. Our market's way up. We've picked up, since my election, trillions of dollars of worth. Trillions, many trillions. And China's lost trillions of dollars. But... I want it to be good for China, and I want it to be good for the United States. So we'll see what happens. Uh, China's coming here next week, by the way. They're coming home, the traders. And then uh, China's coming here next week. And then I'll be meeting with President Xi at some point after that to maybe for some remaining deals, we'll make them directly one-on-one -on -one ourselves. All right, I'm going to stop it there because uh, the president's going to go for a while, it would appear, past the top of the hour. And obviously, we've got Mike Gallagher coming up directly after that. Let me uh, just offer a couple of words of analysis. Um, the president's going to have to be careful, in my view. He's going to get hit for this. Um, the praising of communist China and their human rights uh, policies with respect to death penalty for drug, drug dealers, uh, he's got to be careful. By the way, I agree with death penalty for drug dealers. If you are dealing deadly drugs and killing people with them, then you don't get to live anymore. The, the, your, your victim, your addict, doesn't get to live anymore, and neither do you. So I don't disagree. I'm just saying the president has to be careful. Praising President Xi and praising their policies of uh, executing people uh, as opposed to us giving them fines. Red China's human rights reputation precedes itself. Uh, it, it's not good. It's a, it's a very negative thing on the world stage. 
Uh, and I think the president has to be careful with that. That's not to say that there isn't some merit to his partnership with Xi in the declaration of fentanyl as a deadly drug, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but let's be realistic. Let's let's take it easy on the praise of China. Now, having said that, the president did declare the national emergency, correctly pointing out it has been used many times before without any fanfare, without anybody freaking out, anybody declaring, oh, this is a precedent setter that's going to change the way we govern. The next president's going to be able to do X, Y, and Z because of this president's decision here. Uh, he's right. That has not happened. It's happening now. Why the change? Trump. That's why the change. They hate him so much. They are so desperate to get him out. They will do everything they can to make it look like he is somehow uh, creating you know, a new policy here, setting a new precedent, uh, turning over new ground. He's not. This has been going on for decades now since it became legal for a president to declare national emergency, and here we have it. The left is going to continue to claim that it's a manufactured uh, uh, emergency that uh, there is no crisis at the border, and I think all the president has to do is more of what he was doing this morning, and that is tell everybody the numbers. Talk about the number of people killed from drugs in this country every day, then talk about the number of drugs that flow across this border every year. Talk about the number of human beings that are kidnapped and trafficked through the border every year. Talk about the number of illegal aliens who are coming to this country uh, as members of gangs or drug cartels intent upon doing harm to other people in this country. Get all of the statistics and all of the facts out there, and it will be impossible for anybody to declare this to be anything other than an emergency. So the president declared it's an emergency. He's right to do so. But before we start celebrating and giving each other hugs, understand that in five minutes there's going to be a court challenge, and in five minutes and one second, a liberal judge is going to declare, uh, put a stay on this, um, and uh, and this uh, this uh, uh, policy or this emergency will not be allowed to be followed up on until this goes all the way through the courts. And it'll take a long time, several months, before it gets to the Supreme Court. So don't celebrate yet. And moreover, the president signing the terrible deal... Uh, that the Congress put together for him is just going to lead to more chaos with the existing illegal immigrants, and it will lead to a rush of new illegal immigrants coming to this country. Uh, so that's where we stand. That's uh, the end of it. The president is still talking, but our time is up. I wanted to share all of that with you the very best I could. Thanks for everybody who participated today. Thanks to David Ray from FAIR, and uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday morning on the Bob France Authority. Mike Gallagher is next. Stay here. Enjoy the silence.